This film is Lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. One of the most iconic Christmas movies of all time, based on a series of short stories for Playboy magazine. It's a Christmas story, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books, or in this case, a selection of short stories combined into the book, but it is a book uh, called... And God, we trust all those pay cash. We're going to get into our first segment right off the bat with Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Okay, so here's what happens in In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash by Gene Shepard. An adult Ralph returns to his hometown, home in Indiana, after living in New York City for some time. He goes to the local bar and meets up with his childhood friend Flick, who is now the bartender. They begin reminiscing about various moments from their shared childhood and adolescence growing up in the Depression-era Midwestern mill town. Now, let me sum up A Christmas Story, the film. Christmas is coming, and nine-year-old Ralphie has his eyes on the prize. A Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. film follows Ralphie through a series of vignettes, lamps, language, and light poles as he tries to secure the world's greatest Christmas present. That's pretty much it. Yeah, that is pretty, it's pretty much pretty straightforward it. film. Uh, so if you haven't seen the movie, which I would be astounded, I, it's one of the where most where have you been? widely viewed Christmas movies ever made. But if you're not into Christmas, or maybe not, it's probably specifically mostly an American thing, I yeah, would imagine. Yeah. So if you're listening from somewhere else, maybe you haven't seen it. That's the general premise. And now we're going to discuss the varying various similarities and differences uh are we do we have a guess who we do not we do not have a guess who i assumed we would not so we're gonna skip guess who and go right on in to was that in the book nicholas flamel is the only known maker of the philosopher's stone the what honestly don't you two read this segment very self-explanatory <laughs> i ask if certain elements from the film come from the book or were they fabricated for the movie i have a lot but yes. they're all pretty yes and no type of answers. Yeah, and basically. I'm, just so we all are aware, I'm going to answer pretty much strictly yes or no. Yes, here. Because a lot of the stuff I want to talk about under better, better in the, the book, book or better in the movie. Or the movie nailed it, um, potentially. Yeah, because if I give a lot of this stuff away now, I won't have anything to talk about in those segments. Yeah, and, and something that I'm not sure I actually discussed in the prequel episode, which I should have, is that this movie was adapted by Gene Shepard. Yeah. He wrote the screenplay, yeah. him and his wife, and I think Bob Clark also has a writing credit on it. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's very much a collaborative effort with him and maybe a couple other writers 
So what we get in the movie, I have a feeling has a lot. There's probably a lot expanded on the film based mm-hmm. on the four short stories or whatever that it's based on in the book. But uh, it was the person who wrote the book who was involved in yes. making it a screenplay. So Which I'm expecting it to stay it, fairly faithful. Yeah, to, and that doesn't always happen. No, actually, it's pretty rare. Yeah, it's pretty rare. I mean, the ones that jumped ahead immediately for me are uh, Goldman for The Princess Bride. Right. And he was already a screenwriter. He was already a screenwriter. Yeah, he just he was an author and a screenwriter, yeah. which that's kind of rare as well. I usually tend to be one or the other because they are kind of different mediums mm-hmm. and the way you go about writing them is different. But yeah, I, I, that was the main one that jumped in my head from the things we've um, done. But I'm girl. Yes, she was involved. She I don't was know. Involved. I don't know how closely she was, but she was definitely yeah. writing it. Uh, I think it was a co-writing process from what I remember in our episode. So yeah, we've had a few of them, but it is kind of rare overall mm-hmm. for that to be the case. So anyways, let's get on to was that in the book? All right. The first, the main premise of the movie, uh, it's the only real like through line plot of the film, because as we described, this is a series of vignettes to some extent yes. uh, in the film and in in the book, because it is a bunch of short stories. Does Ralphie want a Red Rider carbon action 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. Yes. He does. Yes. And the description is in the book almost word for word. Almost word for word. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. I assumed that that was, you know, since that is like the main conceit of the movie, I figured Mm -hmm. that would be the, one of the things they kind of the story that was pulled from to sort of inspire the whole. Yeah. It's actually the very first story story story. that's in the book. There you go. Uh, does Ralphie's old man wage war with the furnace? Yes. He does. Okay. I wonder if these will all be yes answers. <laughs> <laughs> they may be. Is the specific line, or at least the scene and potentially the specific line, so when they get prepared for school in A Christmas mm-hmm. Story, they get bundled up beyond recognition, especially Randy, Ralphie's younger brother. And Ralphie, Randy has a line where he says, I can't put my arms down. Because he's been bundled up so tight. Is that from the book? Uh, not that specific line. Okay. Um, there is an extended description of how they have to dress to walk to school in the yeah, winter. And about so. how it's like getting ready for a deep sea diving yeah, expedition. Yeah, so that's obviously where that scene yeah. comes from in the movie. Gotcha. The triple dog dare and the flagpole scene. The infamous flagpole scene. It is a flagpole. I, yeah. I switched it to light pole in my sum up so that it alliterized. But I now that I think about it, it's a flagpole. Oh, well. So, Triple Dog Dare and the flagpole scene. That's a two-for-one. That's actually not in the book. Neither part of that. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. That was the thing I told you yesterday when I was finishing up reading it that I had already read the four stories and I was looking to see... If, if a couple other things showed up anywhere, showed up even mentioned anywhere, yeah. that's one of the things I was scrolling around looking for. Huh. Well, there you go. That's fascinating, I would have thought. And now we will mention this, and I think this is coming up here in a second. I will mention, I know there are at least a couple other things that, and we mentioned this in the prequel episode, came from another collection of short stories. I think it's one thing specifically. Or, and I think, yeah. I, I think I'll mention that here in a second. But So there may be, if you like are super familiar with Gene Shepard's work, you might be like, no, actually the flagpole scene was in this other short story yeah. that's not part of in god we trust all this by cash that that's possible katie it, it, only it read is. katie only read the one so. and i had a hard enough time getting hold of this one ended up just buying the ebook <laughs> yeah. so that yeah because you tried to get it from libraries and it was not not easy so the flagpole scene created for the film that's interesting maybe one maybe the most iconic scene from the film maybe maybe it's up there for sure yeah. i would say all right uh is scut farkas and his yellow eyes do they appear in the book or the short stories Yes. 
one change that I'll talk about later. Okay. But there is uh, an, an infamous bully. bully character, and he does have yellow eyes. Is his name Scut Farkas? I want to talk about we'll it We'll talk later. about it later. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, the Bumpus Hounds. I um, think I heard this is the thing from another, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, it's not in this book. Um, yeah. And you're right. I did some Googling. It is from the other book. Um, but apparently it occurs during Easter, yes. not Christmas. And the meat in question a is a ham, not sense. a turkey. Okay. But yeah, I thought that's what I had heard is that that scene and, and the Bumpus Hounds in general mm-hmm. were from the other book, but that they just kind of rolled it into this one. Yeah. And it's not like that big of a scene in no. this movie. Either, no, it's, it's so. a little thing. But there is a running through line, yeah. like kind of joke with yeah. the Bumpus Hounds. So I don't I don't feel particularly yeah. terrible about not having read that no. one story. No. <laughs> All right, maybe the other most iconic scene up there again. They're all pretty iconic, but mm-hmm. the major award. The major award, yes. Yes. And and just by extension, it, because one of my favorite lines from the major award scene is when he reads the box and says, Fragile must be Italian. Is that, that... that is not in the book. Oh, okay. That's a movie one. That's a great movie, yeah. That's a great... I think that says Fragile Deer. <laughs> Love it. Uh... Okay, so this one was interesting, and I want to talk about this. Maybe eh, we can talk about it here, or maybe later. It depends. It's up to you. Um, but the fantasy sequences are there like these extended fantasy sequences within the short stories? No, there's not. Interesting. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think that to me seems like more of a visual it's medium. Definitely thing. more of a visual medium, and it would be a little confusing to a reader to be like, and then as a kid, I imagined mm-hmm. this I weird. Think, <laughs> I think in the in the Red Rider short story there's maybe like a one-off line where he thinks like oh i could fend off right a gang of robbers or something or whatever, like yeah. that but there's no there's no like it doesn't yeah. play out no. like he just kind of, okay so uh, just to clarify what i'm discussing here is that numerous times throughout the film he uh, ralphie has a a pops into a fantasy sequence mm-hmm. where he imagines some sort of fantastical scenario the first one is when he's a he's a cowboy defending his home from burglars with the red rider bb gun yeah and then there's a, a, a the one later where he he writes the world's best theme and she the teacher's reading it in this very over the top sort of yeah. like victorian way and like goes crazy oh. and every, the students all put him on their shoulders and <laughs> parade him around uh, oh, there's the one where he's stricken blind. Yes, the blind one where he gets blind because he becomes blind because of soap poisoning. There's probably five or six total throughout, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe in that ballpark. Uh, and I want to talk about because I was super interesting. I never noticed this before. One of my favorite TV shows uh, that I've seen a dozen times probably is Scrubs, and it reminded me a lot without yeah. even thinking of it at, previously of JD's fantasies from Scrubs. Oh, definitely a very similar type of thing where. The main character sort of drifts off, has this weird over the top but relevant mm-hmm. fantasy play in his head, and then comes back. And I was trying to think of other things that do this, and I'm, I'm not to say there aren't plenty, probably of other sh- TV shows or films that have done stuff like this, but it's yeah. maybe Scrubs is the thing that to me most consistently did it, and it was definitely part of the DNA of the show. You know, I just thought of one what? that does that: the kids' show Arthur. Oh, does it? Yeah. Interesting. When does Arthur start? Like the 90s? Or mm-hmm. when you wanted to start? Yeah. Because the other thing that made me wonder was like with this movie, with the Christmas Story being from 83, if Bill Lawrence was, who's Bill Lawrence is the creator of Scrubs, if he wasn't somewhat inspired by. And now again, I'm sure there yeah. are other things that 
yeah. have done that similar thing. But I feel like the tone and style of a Christmas story it's very similar. fits very similarly yeah. with Scrubs. And, and it just felt like this. It wouldn't surprise me if that was kind of maybe one of the places Bill Lawrence got that idea mm-hmm. for doing it in Scrubs. Yeah, that so. wouldn't that And wouldn't also, I mean, with me. the narration, it's a very similar style of, and just sort of the dry kind of mm-hmm. wit of both the yeah. film and Scrubs. I don't know. This yeah. is very interesting how similar. And the similar. timing works out yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. And the timing, yeah, yeah the def- definitely kind of works out. I think Bill Lawrence would have been, yeah, probably, you know, in his, he would have been like in college or something mm-hmm. when this movie came out. And it would have been very probably formative in terms of his writing. Yeah. And that I would I would I've never seen an interview with him where he says that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I would need to look that up. Moving on. Maybe the other most psychotic scene. Um, I was going to say that about every scene. Uh, but they get to the point where uh, they blow a tire. Mm-hmm. Ralphie goes out to help his dad change the tire. His dad blows it and knocks the, the the nuts and bolts everywhere and ralphie drops the f-bomb but he doesn't say fudge <laughs> he says the other one is that from the book i want to talk about this more later okay but the answer is no oh okay interesting interesting we'll talk about it more later but the decoder ring and the crummy commercial. Yes. 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 Uh, all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, even is it the same as it? Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. A crummy commercial. Oh goodness. Um, and well, I, this is a follow up kind of to the earlier one with Scott Farkas, who apparently maybe isn't named Scott Farkas in the book. Uh, does Ralphie beat him up? Yes. In the book. Okay. There you go. Uh, how about the mall Santa scene? There are a couple small changes, but yes. Like the, the okay. Do we get much in the book of the, and I, I didn't write this down for your research, but of the perspective of like the mall Santa and the elves being like. No. Over it. You know what I mean? Like being like sort of. Because we get sort of, you can, there's a couple of sides where like, that's not really from Ralphie's perspective where they see them like talking to each other. Like, if he thinks I'm staying a minute past nine, he's crazy. Like, you know. No, there's nothing like that. There are a couple little moments here and there during that scene where you can kind of tell that Ralphie is, like, beginning to see through the curtain. See through the facade, yeah. Um, But there's nothing like that in the book. Uh, And uh, speaking to that, is the... So we know the Red Rider Mm storyline is one of the main... It's the first story in the book. Is there a recurring through line in that short story of uh, authority figures telling Ralphie he'll shoot his eye out and that's why he can't have a Red Rider BB gun? Yes. Yes. But I'm going to talk about it more later. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We'll talk about it more later. Uh, Again, maybe visually the most iconic scene, the bunny suit. Sort of. Is that sort of in the book? Sort of. Sort of in the book. Are we discussing it later? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I told you I was going to give real vague answers. Yep. No, that's fine. I, I like it. We'll get into all of it as we'll just move right through. Um, does he get the Red Rider BB gun and does he shoot his eye out or do you want to talk about it later? <laughs> I'll say yes and yes. Okay, he does get it. And, and it's, he does it's shoot the his same eye. kind of like air quotes around shoot his eye right. out. Right, it like hits him in the face yeah, and he it doesn't, doesn't shoot his eye out. Literally shoot his eye but out. But it, it hits him in the face and kind yeah. of stuns him. All right, and then finally, uh, then I this... Maybe this is from the other book because mm-hmm. in in the movie they end up going out uh, to a Chinese restaurant for dinner or a chop suey place because they the Bumpus Hounds eat their turkey. Right? Do they go out to get Christmas dinner at a Chinese restaurant for any reason? They or? do not. But I think you're you're probably, probably right. F- it's probably in that other in the Easter yeah, one or something. They yeah, probably go for sense. Easter dinner at a Chinese restaurant. Fair enough. 
all right well that's all i had for was that in the book a lot of them actually were a few weren't uh and we'll talk about more in depth all of the changes in the coming segments so now i actually do have one question for lost in adaptation so let's do that just show me the way to get out of here and i'll be on my way was lost yes yes and i want to get unlost as soon as possible. I didn't think I was going to have a question for Lost mm-hmm. in Adaptation, but I actually have one. And uh, we do now know that the major award was in the book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Clarified that. My question then is, and now I kind of got the illusion in the movie of what he got the award for, what the old man won the major award for. Mm-hmm. But they never say it in the film. Yes. And I always kind of wondered exactly what it was. Does the book explain why he got the leg lamp? Yes. <laughs> he does. It does. Um. So in the book, his dad is obsessed with doing newspaper puzzles. And they show that in the film. He is yeah, doing he, one. Yes, yeah. he is doing one at the beginning of the movie. And he says, oh, it could be worth $50,000. Yes. Yeah. Um, and apparently this was like a big Depression era thing. Hmm. Um, newspapers to try to get people to buy the paper. They would run these oh. like weeks like long. Lottery, yeah, like these weeks long puzzles where right. you could like answer the questions and mail your answers in and then, they would and then pick you a yeah you would um you could like move on to the next round gotcha. if you got enough right yeah um and so he's like obsessed with this right. in the book he does all the newspaper puzzles and he actually manages to be a finalist okay. in one of these puzzles he makes it all the way to the last round he doesn't win the big prize but he does win a, a major, major award. award. Okay, so he doesn't win the fifty thousand yes. dollars, obviously, but he wins, yeah, a twenty dollar lamp, yep. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay, fantastic. Um, well, and I, I and you may want to talk about this later, and I guess we could talk about it now. I didn't clarify: is the major award in the book a giant plastic leg lamp? Yes. It okay. Is. Okay. I, I, would have, I realize now I didn't ask that. That's. I just said, is there a major award? And you said, yeah. I didn't clarify exactly what it was. So it is. The same idea from yeah. okay, yeah. so that that is carried over. They didn't reimagine it for the film. It is the knee high logo, writ mm-hmm. uh, in plastic and yeah, because they actually talk about it being the knee high logo in the book, which oh, they do don't they? in the okay. movie. There you go, because we yeah, we discussed that in the prequel prequel episode mm-hmm. that it is the knee high logo, mm-hmm. um, but the movie never mentions that yeah, at all. No. Maybe for clearance reasons or legal yeah, maybe reasons, they could... or it just wasn't popular enough. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I like mean, how many like Ovaltine is still a thing. Yeah, and people knew. Yeah, Ovaltine was a huge brand. Still, yeah. still exists. Whereas Nehi, I had never yeah, heard mm-hmm. of it. So, nope. and and it even is a midwestern thing apparently, yeah. or. Specifically, the logo that they based the leg lamp on was a Midwest variant of the logo yes. from what I researched. Yes. So. Interesting. All right. So he won it for the puzzle. Again, that's sort of what I got from the film. I just felt like they never actually said that. Like, he just said it's a major award. And I'm like, I, no, yeah, I kind of followed that that's probably what it was. It was from doing, a, again, from what he said earlier. I just was like, was that actually what it was? Or did he just, like, get randomly selected and sent this thing? Like, what, <laughs> what, what happened? All right, cool. That clarified it for me. That's it for Lost in Adaptation. Now it's time for Better in the Book. Yes. Yeah, Better in the Book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Okay, so uh, I don't know. This might be like an unpopular opinion. His little brother in the movie is so annoying. (laughs) And like, I get it. Yeah, it's on purpose. It's on purpose. I get it. And it's heightened to show how he feels about him as yeah, the older brother. As the older. But it's also really annoying. Yeah. I don't think so. 
I think he's, I mean, it is annoying, but. I I just think, okay, there's one scene in particular that, like, to me is really over the top and, like, weird, where he's eating, like, a pig. Oh, yeah. That's, like, what? He seems a little old for that. Yeah. I have a note about that in my general. We can talk about it. Yeah. But he's not, he's in the book, but he's not really in the book that much. So you feel like uh, the movie didn't benefit from more Randy, <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> I just feel like there was maybe a moment or two where they took it, like, yeah. too, I don't too know. hard. I, I guess I can see that. It never bothered me, because I always thought, like, yeah, you're supposed to be annoying. You're supposed to, like, and they. I always kind of felt like they had to dial it up to make it and I mean, feel and the, and the, the way that a sibling would. dialed up, to be right. fair. It's all kind of like this heightened, exaggerated version of how a kid thinks yeah, and feels. Yeah, feels about the world, yeah. Um, and yet, you know what's maybe potentially interesting? Maybe I'm more annoyed by this because I have younger siblings. No, yeah, I never had a... I was the younger sibling, yeah. so I, I never experienced that. So you just fair. think it's funny, and I'm like, oh, God, it's not that I think Jesus. It's, <laughs> it's not that I think it's funny. I think it's annoying, and I think it would, but like, yeah, I don't have that... I don't have the lived reality to like harken <laughs> back to and be actually annoyed by. I just think yeah. it's like annoying and funny, but like, yeah, it's yeah. whatever. Yeah. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Billy. I love you guys. <laughs> there you go. Love you a lot more now than I used to. <laughs> We're all adults now. Yeah, it's fine. We just talked about this, but I like that we know a little bit more about how the old man comes to win the leg lamp in yeah. the book. Yeah. Again, it's. I. I feel like the movie doesn't necessarily need to explain it. No, obviously. don't. They don't necessarily need but to. It, but. But it is interesting. Yeah, and I just would have liked. Yeah, it just. It, it was one of those things that always bothered me because I felt like that's what it was, and it's like one line would have been like. Yeah, all they needed was like one little line. Yeah, like I told you, those crosswords would pay off one day. Yeah. Boom, done. Something yeah. like that, or whatever. You now, crossword, the puzzle, puzzle whatever. Puzzle or yeah, whatever, whatever you is. have you, just to harken back to that yeah. moment from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, set it up, but they didn't yeah, really because otherwise, it. you don't necessarily make the connection. Yeah, like I said, I, I did, but and I'm sure most people probably do, but it's yeah. like, why would you not just? Well, make it clear? I for a long time as a kid thought that the major award was something he got like from work. Oh, see that? Like, that's, yeah. As like, instead of a Christmas bonus yeah, or like, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like good job. We'll yeah. mail you a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. Yeah. I mean, I could see why you might think that. Um, okay. So this is a weird one, but in the book, when he goes to see Santa Claus, all of the attendants, instead of being dressed like elves, they're all dressed as snow white. That's very strange. It's because the book is set in the 30s. Oh. And that was like a big, it's a it's depression yeah. era. And that was a really like huge thing. So they're all dressed as Snow White, which, and I get the change. And I don't necessarily disagree with the yeah. change. But honestly, picture a bunch of creepy bargain bin Snow Whites <laughs> yeah, in that scene. It would have been pretty and good. And tell me that wouldn't be iconic. Yeah, yeah it would have been pretty good. I mean, they definitely have, uh, I think they, we see Snow White in the parade. I yeah. I think. Um, and the movie is kind of people argue about what year it takes place. And it it's sort of not intentionally, I think intentionally doesn't take place in a specific year. Now, there are a lot of clues people have put together, yeah. like the, the Dakota ring says the Dakota 1940 ring, on the side. I think is the biggest piece of evidence. Right. So you would imagine it's post-19, but there's other things that 
like certain models of cars aren't the mm-hmm. right year like they're from you know the late mid 40s or something like that yeah. and then other like radio shows were from earlier and didn't re- yeah. so it like kind of like nothing really is like and I, I there have, are contradicting yes details. I have stuff about it in my general notes so I'm gonna talk okay. about it then but it, the book very much does take place during the depression they okay talk about it all the time and there's a okay. bunch of like different hallmarks okay for that um, okay, so the rest of my list is a handful of things that's in the book that didn't make it into the movie. Okay. Um, and for good reason, because it wouldn't fit. Right. Um, but it, it is stuff that I liked that was okay. in the book. Um, so his dad in the book runs a fireworks stand in the summer. Huh. And it's just, it's so Midwestern. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I had uh, my uh, three of my high school teachers like ran a fireworks stand or something yeah. like that they like every summer they yeah i think it's something like that uh, yeah it's very much a midwestern thing yes um it's it, that also may came come up in the sequel yeah because I the sequel takes being, place in summer yeah. so or yeah it's called like my summer story or and they like never that. say like what else his dad does um it is a mill town yeah but of course it's yeah, yeah it's also the depression so like who knows yeah you know um, but yeah, in the summer, he does run a fireworks stand. Um, at one point in the book, it's also revealed by Ralphie that his mom used to be a flapper. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So the so the leg to, to harkens back to her. <laughs> she, she has flashbacks yeah, maybe to her that's earlier why life. She doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And I, I can't necessarily imagine that with the mom from the movie, but. Uh, it's I, I don't know. Yeah. I think you could if yeah I don't know Melinda Dillon I bet if you saw her when she was in her twenties true probably yeah. doesn't look like Melinda Dillon in her forties <laughs> or whatever fifties. Um, there is a story in the book where teenage Ralphie goes on a blind double date, um, with I think with Schwartz and his girlfriend mm. who has another friend and they're like oh come out on a double date with us. Because um, his dad or her dad maybe will only let them go out if somebody goes if they with have, like, them. Another, yeah. So they're like, he's like, oh, just come out. It's a blind date, but it'll be fine. Um, and Ralphie then is delighted to find that his date is really pretty. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly, halfway through the evening, realizes that he's the blind date. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh... So yeah, that's a pretty funny. Um, one of the stories. Yeah. Another story that I actually really enjoyed. This one actually did make me laugh out loud. Um, there's a story where Ralphie, he's in like maybe fourth or fifth grade, I think was the implication. He has a crush on his English teacher. Not Mrs. Fields or no, Shields. not Mrs. Fields or Shields. Shields. Yeah. Shields. Um, so he has a crush on her. She's yeah. like a young teacher. He wants to impress her. So he decides he needs to find a really impressive book for his book report that's due. And he's looking around the house, and in his parents' room, he finds this old, like, thick book, um, and it's, like, written in, like, old English, kind of, and he doesn't understand the lick of it, but he's <sighs> reading it, and he's like, this is perfect. <laughs> um, and then he does a book report on it, and it turns out it's the fucking Decameron. I and don't know I'm, what that is. <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's... It's like, okay, you read um, The Canterbury Tales. Yeah, I was going to say, is it The Canterbury it's Tales? It's like The Canterbury okay. Tales. Um, it's a bunch of different vignettes with the frame story around it, kind of set up in a similar way where they're all telling stories, and right. it is 
body. Oh, okay. Yeah. That right. was like, if you heard me like barking with laughter while I was reading I yesterday. I did recall that. I just didn't remember what That's it was. what I was laughing there you at. Go. <laughs> he does a book report on the Decameron and fantastic. turns it in. It's fantastic. How does he, does he not, I guess because he just can't understand it. he like it. guesses what everything is oh, and then right. like tries to Because that's the thing about, about Middle English is, is it, was it Middle English or is it? It's, yeah, I guess it is. Or I don't know, because that's because I, I I had the uh, when I was in I think we've talked about this, but when I was in high school, uh, my English teacher read us mm-hmm. not the entire Canterbury Tales, but a big chunk of big it chunk of in it. the Middle yeah. English and or whatever, and it's you can parse you some can parse of it. it. <laughs> and pro tip: if you're gonna try reading like the Decameron or or Canterbury Tales, something like that, um, maybe get the audiobook. Yeah. I'm sure there's an audiobook. Well, that's what she said. She said, like, the teacher was like, oh, it's way, way easier if you hear it. And yeah. I'm like, you, no, oh, no. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it was still very hard to follow. <laughs> because I read parts of them for when I was in grad school. Um, and just uh, trust me, it is a lot easier to parse when no. you're going out loud. Yeah, I, I believe you. It definitely is because I remember that because we were looking at it while she read it. Yeah. And I like, yeah, reading it's like nonsense. It's it's like, yeah, again, you can kind of parse it because it's it's like it's Middle English. It's yeah. like in between, like it kind of is like it's Germanic mixed with like. And yeah, it's and the Decameron is actually Italian. Oh, OK. So it's probably like a translation. But yeah, it's. So the version of it that he's reading, it's not probably not quite like yeah. what we looked at right. reading Canterbury Tales, but like it's still yeah. like older spellings, older yeah. variants. Even if it was something stuff. like, even if it was something yeah. like for in fourth or fifth grade, even something written in the style of like Romeo or of uh, uh, Shakespeare, yeah, where that's clearly English or that's yes. that's like modern English, but it's yes. it's still confusing when and you're that young. To, and yeah. he like so he reads like in some like there's. Per, the specific mentions of like innuendo right, that just that goes just right wouldn't. over his head, yeah. but he still writes about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very similar like Shakespeare, where yeah. it just wouldn't you wouldn't get that that's what was going on there, yeah. unless you had somebody explaining to you what these things <laughs> meant back then. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that would have been fun. And he's in the movie. He, well, he's nine. So how? What grade is that? Is that like nine? first grade, second grade? I was in like the third grade. Okay, so that's nine. not too far off from that time. I was just yeah. wondering like where he was. So that was probably like the summer after yeah. <laughs> the, what we see in the movie. So that's what I have for Better in the Book. Cool. Um, we'll move on then to Better in the Movie. Mm-hmm. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Okay, so the line, the iconic line, you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah. Is very slightly changed. Oh, really? In the book, it appears more frequently as you'll shoot out one of your eyes. Oh, yeah. And it's a little, it's, this is the clumsier. Yeah, this. it's clumsier. The movies, I think, is more succinct. Yeah. It's easier to remember. And it's easier to sing song. You'll yes. shoot your eye out. You'll <laughs> shoot your eye out. Yeah. You'll shoot out one of your eyes. It doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Um, so I definitely thought that was better. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed the fantasy sequences. Yeah, the I think they're a lot of fun. I think that works especially well when your protagonist is a kid. Yeah. Um, or or JD. <laughs> <laughs> so basically a kid. Yeah. But um, kids do that. Yeah. You know, like I remember doing that to some extent. Oh yeah, yeah. Child. Oh, like, absolutely. Just like sitting back and thinking, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. 
when I take yeah. this action and everyone's going to love me and oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah, Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Or, you know, or, for, yeah, thinking about, like, the for me, like, you're, like, a, having that sort of daydream about the recess coming up and how you're going to hit a million home runs yeah. and everybody's yeah. going to, like, oh, my God, you know, like, that sort of <laughs> thing. Like, yeah, absolutely, kids. Yeah. Um, the scene with the tongue stuck to the pole. Yeah. Um, love that. Iconic. Yes. Totally a kid thing. Yeah. And oh. I, I did say it had it in my general notes. Let's talk about it here. Uh, no kid will ever get their tongue stuck to a pole ever again because of this movie. I'm, not, I'm sure it still happens, but yeah. like it's it's one of those things that I remember hearing about when I was younger. And I remember hearing my dad say that a kid, you know, one of his friends did it, I think, before I ever saw this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just I don't think it, it's it has pr- proliferated. Mm-hmm. The culture so much, I think, mainly because of this movie that mm-hmm. I, like everybody knows. I feel yeah. like even from a pretty young age. Yeah. Um. So I mentioned a name change earlier, Scott Farkas. That name does not appear in the book. Yeah. Um. In the book, the bully's name is Grover Dill. Oh, he's in the movie. Yes. That's they make the him the Toady. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I don't think the Toady had a name okay. in the book. I think they just mentioned like, oh, yeah. all the bullies have toadies right. or whatever. And I guess that's um, just a word for like their buddy. Yeah, like partner. a lackey. Okay, yeah. that's what I figured. I just never had heard that particular term, yeah. I don't think. Toady, lackey, minion. Same right. kind that of all, idea. That's kind of what I figured. Um, so I think that was a really good switch. Yeah. Um, Scut Farkas oh, is such a yeah. great bully name. Yes. Grover Dill. Nah, it's all right. It's not a great bully name. No. And I, I think maybe potentially part of the issue with that is that at the time the book was written, there wouldn't have been this association. But I associate the name Grover with the Muppet. Oh, yeah. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing, though, that and, and so I read this and I forgot about this. Uh, to mention this in the prequel, but I think now it makes more sense. Uh, Farkas is derived from, oh boy, I should have looked this up. Uh, the word wolf mm. in some language. Mm-hmm. It's like f- a similar word to that. And and if you notice during in the movie, whenever the, the first time he's introduced, they play Peter and the yes, wolf. Yes, they play the wolf's uh, yeah. musical cue. So, and that's where the that name too. came from. Yeah. So that's why they call them Scott Farkas. And because nice. I think they were. Probably had that plan, like, oh, we want to do the play that song. Mm-hmm. Let's give him a name that's somehow inspired by Wolf. And so then they came up, and then they were like, Scott Farkas? No, 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 Scott, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, the moment where Ralphie tries to caress the leg lamp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot. He does yeah. it several times in the movie. But I think that's something that works really well in a visual medium. Yeah. That probably wouldn't work as well in the book, especially since we're getting it from his perspective. I think it would read as kind of odd. Yeah. Um, but in the movie, it works really well. Yeah, it works really well because we're just kind of seeing it happen, and he, he, he does <laughs> he plays it great too with just the, the like the look on his face. Yeah. Just like it's like he can't help himself he doesn't even know why he can't help himself he just wants to touch the lamp leg and he's not even exactly sure why <laughs> yeah uh, so let's talk about the oh fudge sequence okay um so that is not in the book but there is a vaguely similar story the movie's version is much better, like worlds in a way better. Yeah. Um. So in the book, there's a story about how he 
hears his uncle tell a dirty joke, which he then goes and repeats to a friend. Um, and then his friend's mother comes over to tell his mother all about it. Yeah. Um, and it's not that funny. Yeah. I don't think like it's not super funny. Um, and it's also, I think, a lot clearer and funnier in the movie, like figuring out what the word that he said is. Yeah. Um, because in the book, how it plays out is that his mom asks him specifically if he knows what that word means. Um, doesn't say the word, but yeah. she just says, do you know what that word means? And he says, well, I think it has something to do with hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Which I took, and maybe I'm wrong, but I took that as like, fuck puck. Oh, yeah, that could that could be. Yeah, that would make sense. I also would have thought that maybe like in reference to although his dad's a football fan and he mm -hmm. could be a hockey fan, too, up there in the northern area. Or, yeah. Although the book it's takes place Indiana, in Indiana, but, but even still, still. it's cold, you know, colder climate that it could be something he's heard his dad say in relation to talking about hockey, like the fucking, yeah, 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 you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. cursing about hockey players. Mm -hmm. and, and because in the movie he makes the, you know, as I've heard my dad use that word yes. a million times a day or whatever. Um, and so maybe that would be the other thing. It's like he associates it with hockey, but I like your read too, that it could be puck, but I feel like he's old enough to know what a well, puck is. Well, he's only maybe? seven, oh, I okay. think at this point in the book, he's okay. like six or seven. Yeah. So word association. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, maybe. I could see either way with it then. Um, I could see it go either way. But is not the movie better than that, though? Yes. Like, that's yeah, absolutely. fudge, yeah. but I didn't actually say fudge. Yeah. is so much and better. And especially with the way it plays out in the movie, super slow-mo, mm -hmm. you know, and it's fudge. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's way better. Uh, I did look it up, by the way, and Farkas is the Hungarian word for wolf. Ah, okay. And now, to be fair, this is from the wiki, the villain's wiki. <laughs> Um, and it said Man, the reason for the, for everything. Uh, the wolf theme from Sergei Prokofiev's Peter and the Wolf plays in the background. The reason for this could be because uh, the fact that the word Farkas is the Hungarian word for wolf. Um, small change to the scene where he goes to see Santa um, is Santa pushing him down the slide with his foot, which is <laughs> yeah. not in the book. Oh, OK. It's yeah. Not. yeah, that's great. I think that, yeah, that, and that's sort of what I alluded to earlier, where just the sort of the movie definitely portrays all of the people working there as just mm -hmm. over it yeah it, you know which which is a i think definitely something more for the adults and maybe something that a kid wouldn't even recognize in mm -hmm. the moment um like as a kid you wouldn't but like all the adults who've either worked in retail or worked in that sort of yeah. environment or just been around people who have know how just fed up everybody <laughs> is with with everything at that point i mean it's yeah. christmas eve uh They've been doing it for a month, and they're just like, yeah. done. And the mall is almost closed. Yeah, it's, it's almost so close. time to go. We're almost done. <laughs> um, this is kind of in the book, uh, but I think the movie much better conveys the moment um, after he unwraps the BB gun. Oh, of, yeah. Like, showing that his dad cares about him. Yes, yeah. It's a really sweet moment yeah. in the movie. It's It's, you know, it's one of those surprising moments because... The whole movie, his dad has just seemed fairly, fairly removed and just yes, kind of like kinda detached. Know, detached and whatever. But you can tell, yeah, yeah, he actually does yeah. care. And, and especially the way the movie goes across or plays that scene out. And he's sort of going through the actions like, mm -hmm. open it up. you know, it's it's really sweet. And it's it would be hard to get have that come across in a book, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because especially when we're getting it from Ralphie's perspective, like he's not going to be like, and then my dad, I saw my dad in the corner mimicking all the actions. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the movie, yeah, kind of does that scene perfectly. So, Plus, like, you know, with the way that the book is set up, there's not any kind of build to that. Right. So it wouldn't really. Yeah. And like, it, it is in the book a little bit. It's kind of implied. Um, but it, it's much, much better conveyed and okay. more meaningful, I think, in the movie. Gotcha. All right. So my last note for better in the movie is maybe the best change. Okay. In the whole film. The bunny suit. Okay. <laughs> in the book. It's just bunny slippers. Oh, yeah. No, that's yeah. way better. Whoa, way better. Way better. <laughs> that doesn't, yeah. The, if he just put on some bunny slippers, it would not remotely have mm, no. the impact. Yeah. Because, again, visual medium. You can see a kid would uh, getting bunny slippers, pink bunny slippers, isn't going to want to wear them regardless. But as a, a viewer watching a movie, it's not nearly like he comes walking down the stairs and you see some pink bunny slippers. Like, All right, like, yeah, eh. yeah. But it comes down in full yes, on full bunny on suit. suit, yeah. And then you get that 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 allows also the dad to have the all the great. He looks like the deranged Easter Bunny. <laughs> it was a pink nightmare. <laughs> like you know, get all that great stuff, which doesn't really work as well with just slippers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's definitely yeah definitely a solid change. All right, so cool. that was my better in the movie. I do have some under the movie nailed it. All right, let's do it. Nailed it. We talked about all the clothes they wear to walk to school. Yeah. Um, there's extended description of that. <laughs> Getting ready. Um, the wax teeth. Oh, yeah. Is actually in, in the book. In the book. It's in a, another story. Yeah. Um, but they do, like, they talk about a time that they all tried to trick their teacher by wearing <laughs> wax teeth at the same time, and then she confiscates all of them. Yeah. I always thought that was so gross when I was a little kid. <laughs> she has all, they were all, like, 40, or not yeah. 40, like, 20 little mouths, gross mouths, and she gets them all in her hand, and then I'm yeah. like, ugh. <laughs> Why would you do that? Just have them, especially because she just dumps them directly into the drawer. I'm like, just have them put them in the drawer. or like Elementary what? school teachers aren't afraid of germs. I know, but that's the reason they're always sick all the time. <laughs> Whatever. Arguably, they also didn't know that much I about know. germs. Yeah. They knew enough. It was, <laughs> they knew enough, but yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Um, the leg lamp, the way yes. that it, the description of it, the way it looks. Cool. Um, the outlet with all the plugs. Oh, yeah. Is, is that the from book. the book? Yeah. <laughs> they describe it as a rat's nest of yeah. plugs and wires. I, I, I mentioned this, but I'm like, what? What are all the? What are what all is plugged in? You see their living room. I don't see that many electronics. That, like, I see like there's the radio, mm-hmm. maybe a couple lamps. Yeah. What are the forty other things that are plugged into the? I Who never, knows, man? I, uh, I just never understood that. Uh, the entire decoder pin scene plays out like, oh, beat yeah. for beat, and like where he goes and hides in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and yeah. You know, um, the scene where he beats up Scut slash Grover, yeah, is pretty good. Yeah, um, does he is he cursing in the book yes. or is he? Um, yeah. yeah, there is a mention of his little brother going to hide under the sink in moments of duress. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of a nice, um, yeah, little, little little touch, little touch there. Um, the Santa scene, I mentioned there were a few small changes, but other than that, yeah, um, and the set piece was pretty spot on where he like climbs this giant up mountain, yeah, yeah and then like slides back down to the gotcha. bottom um and then the scene where he quote unquote shoots his eye out yeah at the end plays out the same way and he offers the same excuse an about icicle. A, a falling icicle there you go 
Lots of little details, which again, yeah. I expected because, like I said, it was adapted by Gene Shepard. Mm-hmm. He probably liked the things he wrote, so <laughs> he kept a lot of it in, yeah. his, in his movie. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else? What uh, general Got some stuff? general yeah. discussion. Yeah. General discussion, and then we'll get to the final verdict. Pullman is a much bigger town in the movie than is implied yeah. in the book. Well, it's because it's Cleveland in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And and we talked about it in the prequel episode, but they went to like 20 different places and it was supposed to be a smaller town. Yeah. But they ended up choosing Cleveland because they had a Higbee's that would let them yeah. film there, which we discussed as a lot of department stores didn't want to be part of the production, but Higby's would be, which Higby's, if you didn't listen to the prequel episode, became Dillard's and then closed, mm-hmm. which, but I remember Dillard's because yes. that was, that was a thing when I was a kid, but it, yeah, I didn't remember Higby's, which it changed yeah. in like oh, the my. 90s. Yeah. And the, I mean, they never, obviously never actually say in the no. book, like, oh, it's a town of such and such many people, Yeah, but it's very much implied that it's like a little blink yeah. and you miss it Midwestern town. Yeah. And I also uh, forgot to mention that the house uh, has you can go stay in the house mm-hmm. yeah. currently. It's yeah. like a, it's a museum and a, but you can like stay overnight in Ralphie's house, which is interesting. Um, I had a note about the excellent use of classical music in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, go ahead. Across I, the board. Yeah. Well, we talked about one yeah, Peter, Peter and the and Wolf, the wolf um, but they used there were a couple other ones. Yeah. The whatever when they're running from the I can't remember what that's called. But yeah. And then the fantasy sequence where his his teacher loves his composition that he wrote uses it's from an opera. I'll take your word for it. I don't know. I can't think of the name of it, but it, it's a sequel. Like it's an aria or something. Yeah, it sounds like it, it definitely. Yeah, they use it a lot throughout, which is funny because it's funny that cause it's effective because it's also free. Yes. Because <laughs> it's all public. Uh, yeah. My, my note in here domain. is this movie actually uses a lot of classical read public domain yeah. music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to get the rights to any of that stuff uh, unless you use certain arrangements of it that are being held copyright by somebody. But if you hire your own orchestra mm-hmm. to play those public domain pieces, you don't have to pay for rights yeah. for it in your movie, which is, yeah, uh, one of the reasons that it. If it runs as much as it does, um, you know, the 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 family of whatever that Hungarian composer from Peter the Wolf, they're not getting any money <laughs> from it. Uh, I always wondered mentioning talking about the, the teacher uh, when I was a kid, I was always like, what's a theme? <laughs> and now I realize I was like, I know it's just like a probably like an outdated, outdated term for like an essay, basically. Yeah. Like it's just like calling it like, you know, you're to write an essay. But I'd never heard that. And I always wondered when I was a little kid why nobody like why I wasn't assigned themes like what I yeah I think it must just be like an outdated yeah term it's just what they called essays because or... it's the only place I've ever heard it yeah it's, it's weird I wonder if that was ever commonplace any of our listeners who are 90 uh, or, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever how, let's see how old would they need yeah <laughs> be in school in the 30s would be yeah pretty old but um yeah never a theme interesting yeah. Uh, I love. I also want to mention. I love the soap scene for a lot of reasons, but I the uh, the one of my favorite things about it is the particular choice when Ralphie leaves and walks down the hallway to go to bed, mm-hmm. and then the camera stays in the bathroom, and you see his mom look at him and say, "Go to bed. No reading comics or whatever." And she goes, "Don't you make that face at me!" And we don't get to see what face he's making. <laughs> I mean, that's a really brilliant choice because of our imagination of. 
the face a nine-year-old yeah. kid makes at his mom <laughs> after she sends him to bed early after eating soap is better than whatever Ralph Peter Billingsley could have done in that moment. And I thought that was just a brilliant director's choice to stay in the bathroom and not show us that. On top of that, then it goes on. I love the his mom trying yes, the soap and just immediately gagging and like, Ugh. Um but yeah, it's a great scene. Were you ever did were you no. ever made to eat soap as no. a child? No. I was threatened with it. Oh, are you? On various occasions, but I don't recall that I ever had to actually eat soap. No. Time out slash a little more new age. Yeah, a little more new age sort of uh parenting. See, Time and out I, uh, it's uh, ground I could be grounded for stuff. My mom was more like that, yeah. but a lot of my childhood I was raised more by my grandparents right. who do hearken from the depression era. Definitely from that era. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was groundings and maybe timeouts and mostly just talking to me about <laughs> why and the why worst not punishment to do things. Like, Having you know. to talk to your parents. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Um, you know what the movie never explains? It's how he was able to give his teacher a giant fruit basket for Christmas. Yeah, how did he afford like, that? Like how did he afford that? Yeah. Or how did he convince his parents to That's, buy it? That's I thought that I I thought about that during that scene too. I was like, you know, it's it's implied their family's like doing okay in the yeah. movie. Like and again, it's a little bit it's pre-World War 2, mm-hmm. but it's not it's it's like the early 40s-ish yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Um and it's sort of implied that yeah, they're like a well-ish, you know, they're, middle they're class. Right. They're a middle yeah. class family. They they can afford plenty of Christmas presents yeah. and and a nice dinner. And you know, the dad makes good money at whatever job he does. Enough mm-hmm. that the mom doesn't work even part time or anything that we right. see in the movie. Um, so yeah, they're they're doing okay. But yeah, it was one of those things where I'd be hard pressed to think that he was able to convince his <laughs> his parents to buy that. For, yeah, because again, all that fresh fruit up in like. Up there in Indiana, in Indiana in or, or in, in the movie in yeah, Cleveland. It's got a pineapple in yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, that's not that big a deal to come across. But I feel like back in the 30s, that's not yes. exactly a cheap yeah. arrangement of. Well, that's why um, oranges are associated with Christmas, because that's like a Christmas treat. Oh, yeah. Is to have like, oh, we get an orange right. for Christmas because you haven't seen any fresh fruit in yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, that could not have been cheap. Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been. <laughs> I love how during the fight scene with him and Scott Farkas that the kids aren't remotely shocked by one of their classmates pounding the shit out of another kid until his face is bloody. They're really blown away by the fact that he has the audacity to curse while doing it. <laughs> That's very American. <laughs> Fair enough. It was, I guess, maybe a sign of the times as well. Yeah. Like, uh, very much a, like, uh, yeah. Because now... Uh, Nowadays, it's cursing kids, all kids, cur- I, you yeah. know, from middle school on up and probably even before for some people. Like, I, I think I probably started cursing in like middle school. Not like crazy, but like yeah. some. And uh, and maybe even a little bit before that. But like, yeah, the idea that it's like the cursing in this moment is the <laughs> thing that's like, oh, my goodness. And like, I love when his mom shows up, they're like, shh, sh- sh- shushing him. <laughs> Not stop beating the hell out of that kid. It's stop cussing your mom's here i don't know i just thought it was hilarious well and then too the follow-up to that um when she tells his dad yeah she tells him he's worried and it's the same in the book he's worried that she's gonna tell him what he said yeah not what Um, he did but they just she just oh he had a fight right oh you know how boys are yeah um here's a depressing thing 
in the book, we find out that his friend Schwartz dies in World War II. Oh. Yeah. They all, Wait, well, they all that go. That time period does not work out it with does the, for the book. movie. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. it does not work out with no, the movie. No, not for the movie, but yeah, it, it totally does. Because he's nine, World for War II. Because they would have, they're coming up during the Depression. Yeah, so they were it's all, like the mid 30s and yeah, they're like. Just the right yeah, age to go 17, 18, overseas 19. when yeah. we joined World War II. Yeah. Oof. Yep. So is it Flick that. Flick is the bartender. Is the one he's talking yes. to? At the, yeah, okay. The framer, whatever. The yeah. storm. Gotcha. The only other thing I had, I do you have any more general? I have notes? one more thing. Okay, go for it. Because I, I just want to, I have my, uh, we're going to revisit the voiceover. Oh, yes. Um, so I've mentioned a couple times that the book is set during the Great Depression. Yep. There are a lot of hallmarks indicating that. Um, the narrator does say it specifically quite a bit. Um, he says like, oh, it was the Depression, so blah, blah, blah. Um, it's also pretty clear that the family lacks money. Yeah. In the book. In the they book, don't yeah. they don't have a lot of money to work with. Uh further giveaways are like the mentions of Snow White. Um there's a mention of the St. Louis Browns. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember what year they moved, but Yeah. Um they also there's a whole story about a movie theater giving away a set of dishes, huh. which was a a, a depression era thing that yeah. they did to get people to come in. Um also, did you know that Abercrombie and Fitch used to be like an outdoors slash sporting company. No, but that doesn't surprise me because that's a thing that I learned. Yeah, I mean, that I I did not know that, but that doesn't particularly surprise me because they the main thing that they're kind of known for is like polos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or was like one of their big they yeah they were like preppy like sportswear. Yeah, I, yeah. well, I associate them with like the half naked models from when right. we were teenagers. Right, but I also always associated them with like polos to some mm-hmm. extent, and that's yeah more of a, like an outdoor or at least used to be like a that was where you were to golf like, and to play tennis and. Apparently it was like hunting and fishing oh, and like that kind of That's a little more surprising. Outdoors, yeah. If you told me yeah, they made like clothes for like golf and stuff, I'm like, no. yeah, sure. But yeah, it's like a, little... a like bass pro more that's, like. <laughs> that is surprising. I would not yeah. have expected that. Huh. Interesting. All right. Let's revisit our learning things with this film is lit from the prequel episode and talk a little bit about voiceover. We're gonna go over the four facets that we talked about of what potentially makes a good voiceover in a film and see mm-hmm. if a Christmas story succeeds at that. So let's check, let's check them like this. And we'll go, we'll, we'll talk about each one. One, does the voiceover add to the tone or atmosphere of the film? What do you think? I would say yes. I would say so too. I, I think for a couple of reasons, one being it's a Christmas film. Mm-hmm. Christmas films very often tend to have like a narrator because yeah. they're, and I think part of that's inspired by like maybe, maybe a little bit like sort of like the fairy tale storybook type of thing. I think, or, Potentially, that harkens back to the old tradition of telling stories by the fire right. at Christmas. Yes, and sort of having that—it's—it's it's very much a beloved trope of Christmas movies to mm-hmm. have sort of that narrator kind of yes. telling the story to you. And I think that is part of what we get with this. So I think in that in that mm-hmm. instance, it does add to the tone and the atmosphere. And it, it also helps. And maybe you're gonna mention this, like a, a, the nostalgia. No, I wasn't. So that's a good, it, of yeah. Like having the adult relate right. this story of yes. like his number one Christmas as a kid. I guess I kind of did have that, but yeah, yeah, the nostalgia of it. Yeah, I agree. So uh, that kind of ties into does it come from the future? Which that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good thing. I mean, a lot of narrator, a lot of narration does that. Doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean it's a good thing. But when doing, when being a narration from the future, how is that used and why? And is what kind of relates to how effective it is. In this instance, we're getting it from adult Ralphie, Mm -hmm. his recollection of events from his childhood. 
And I think it works really well in this instance because we get his sort of mature perspective yes. on these childhood events and the lessons he learned from them and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. We kind of get one of the things we talked about when you're getting that that voiceover from the future is it, it can be very effective when you're having uh, to in developing thematic elements and yes. sort of does our character learn from what happens over the course of the movie. And I think that's definitely evident or it's definitely the case with the voiceover in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get that since it is the adult Ralphie, he has this, he's explaining what's going on in the scenes or, or kind of recollecting on what's going on in the scenes in a way that is very identifiable to adults thinking back yeah. on their childhood. And yeah. it, it kind of fits in with that. Yeah, there's, there's that nostalgia factor, which also works really well for a Christmas movie. Yeah. Because we do get nostalgic at Christmas yes. time. Yes. Uh, third, does it add to the humor? And I, this one I think absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my favorite ways that it does that is that it ties into the fact that Ralphie, this is adult Ralphie reminiscing. So Ralphie is talking about his childhood events, adult Ralphie, and the adult narration adds a level of humor because you get all these over, like overly verbose descriptions of yeah. things for ridiculously silly childhood situations. The language that adult Ralphie uses is not language that a nine-year-old would use. Right. And so it's it's it almost creates this weird perspective of you're having kids sticking their tongues to poles, and then we get the narrator talking going on about that at length as an author would yeah and 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 it's it's that juxtaposition of like childhood silliness with Mm -hmm. verbose like lang flowery (laughs) language describing childhood silliness yeah that that, um i don't know if irony is the right word for it but maybe like that's that that sort of uh it creates this friction that is comedic yeah yeah no i agree and then finally uh does the voiceover have a purpose uh, and yes, I would argue in this movie, yeah. it's definitely not an, an, a last minute addition, like trying to like make the movie make sense. It's sort of the framework that the story is built around, mm-hmm. which makes sense when you're translating a memoir like yes. piece of short yes. or collection of short stories. It absolutely makes sense that you would build that around the sort of memoir like narration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this voiceover has like it kind of has this. um advantage with Gene Shepard, one, having helped write the screenplay, yes. and two, him having been a famous radio man. Yes. So like, that's, yeah. Because that was one of the other things we talked about is if uh, ways that, that uh, narration or voiceover can fail is one of them very, very simply if it's performed poorly. Mm-hmm. In this instance, it's the person who wrote it, who knows the material the yeah. best, knows what emotion he wants to portray and all those things. And on top of that, has the technical skills of having been a person mm-hmm. who yeah, did this. Yeah, he has the experience. <laughs> yeah, literally what he did for a long time was do voiceover, essentially. Yeah. And so you kind of have the perfect um, Yeah, it's kind situation. of a, a perfect storm. Yeah, yeah it really is. Uh, which is why it works out so well in this movie and doesn't... Uh, yeah, it doesn't it, always another thing. It adds. It doesn't detract. No, here. it definitely adds. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's get to it. Then the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. I'm going to give it to the movie. Woo! Knew that. <laughs> I think I saw that one coming. Um, the book was interesting. It's kind of a slice of life. Um, it's definitely a glimpse into the past. Yeah. But 
naturally that also came with uh, some less than great comments about women. Ah, yeah. Um, and one really awful mention of gay people. Ooh. So there's that. Nice. Um, but the movie, I think, was also just a more successful, succinct story. Yeah. Um, if we hearken back to our discussion in the prequel of whether this book is a novel or a short story collection, yeah. Shepard called it a novel. I would honestly call it a short story collection okay. um, that happens to have a narrative frame. Yeah. Um, the movie has more of a through line yeah. than the book does. Uh, the order of events in the movie make more sense. Um, everything is just kind of out of order. Kind of cobbled together. Ka- in the yeah, in the yeah. book. Um, which, you know, you can tell a story in nonlinear order and there are purposes for yeah. that but there wasn't really a purpose it to it like in the book it was, it, yeah. they were just kind of flung in there right. um and i'll say it the movie was funnier yeah uh there are a few moments in the book that made me chuckle and that one that made me laugh out loud yeah um which i don't know that everyone else would find that particular moment <laughs> as funny yeah. as i did yeah um but i think shepherd is right He's not really a writer. He's yeah, a performer. A performer. Um, his narration in the movie is like 10 times funnier than anything in the book. There you go. So. Boom. After all those Harry Potter. Well, and we had that's two in a row now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other one, like the kid's book, that's a little tougher. They'll tend to always go to the movie because yeah, the movie just does so many more things. very different yeah. things. Um, whereas with this, it's a little closer to our normal like novel verse. Mm-hmm first movie uh so yeah mark one another one up for the films yeah now i will say if you really like this movie i wouldn't say that maybe reading the whole book is necessary but you would probably enjoy reading those four stories that the movie is more heavily based on there you go it's it's kind of hard to find i mean the ebook's easy it's it's only like eight dollars you can buy it on amazon but uh we you weren't able to track down a copy from our library without well (laughs) it was a school library and it's christmas break so yeah i had to um try to get them to send it to me through interlibrary loan and it just didn't get here in time so yeah Yeah. you might have easier it might not be that hard to find at your local library potentially but but you're not going to be able to like walk into barnes and noble and buy a copy of it is the point here (laughs) all right uh that's going to do it for this episode of this film is lit katie what do we have next up Wait next. before you go, go to like a rate review us on all of the <laughs> platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you download our show. And, and then check also, us out on social media. While you're checking us out on social media, we are doing a Q&A yes. for our first episode of the new year, which the prequel. Will, will be the prequel. Yes. Um, so we're going to do that. So um, yeah, leave questions. We have a, quite a few already, but yeah. we, we will take more. So Yes. And now what's next? Up next... We are doing Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because the sequel just came out. Or is coming out? Yes. Well, I think it is out now at this point. Yeah, Yeah, so the sequel is actually not, from what I was reading, it's not based on a book. But the 1964 with Julie Andrews is. Mm -hmm. So we are going to read that, watch that, talk about it. There you go. um, And try to benefit from... um, (laughs) any of the publicity for the new movie yeah maybe people clicking around (laughs) looking for mary poppins will stumble across our podcast that's how you do it (laughs) ladies and gentlemen i think that's it though so guys gals non-binary and everybody else until next time keep reading books keep watching movies and keep being awesome